Hello again, and welcome back to the Heart of Titus with Dan and Tony. And Tony, how are you doing again? Hey, man, I'm doing good. Glad to be here. And this has been such an incredible um, discussion and teaching because uh, I believe that there are so many people that get into this um, end time stuff, and it's just it's overwhelming because there's so many things that seem to pull you in all different directions and all this stuff that you, you know, if you don't know Daniel, if you don't know, you know, this, if you don't know these prophecies, you're just not getting it. And I think we're finding out that really we need to go to Jesus and what is Jesus telling us, correct? Well, I do believe that Jesus intended um, this discussion and revelation of what's going to happen in the end times to be um, a protective measure to encourage his church uh, that would be involved in these last times to protect our hearts so that we don't get seduced by the evil one. Um, Jesus knows exactly what we need, and he gives us in his word words of life. And what we're receiving through his teachings on the end times, I really think is more applicable to people who are alive today than at any other time in the last uh, 2000 years. I mean, this is incredibly necessary. And there are so many things as you were alluding to, Dan, there are so many things that are happening. And that we when we go to the scriptures, and we look for uh, comfort, a lot of times we get we just get hit with a lot of facts and a lot of things that people say are true that are kind of speculation. And so I don't want to be one of those guys. I know you don't either. But what we do want to do is focus on the things that Jesus was focusing on in his uh, teachings. So what we've been talking about for the three episodes before today was, you know what Jesus says? I'm not going to, I don't know when he's coming back. The father hasn't even revealed that to me. But I'll tell you one thing, you better get ready. You better stay awake. And here's how. And now these next three parables, we already talked about one of the end time parables and the end of Matthew 24. But these next three parables on the 10 virgins, on the talents and the sheep and the goats, all look at different aspects of how to prepare your heart and how things are going to wind up. Because the issue isn't so much getting through the tribulation or whatever hard times are coming our way, although that's important. It's Mm -hmm. maintaining your heart intact, no matter what happens, so that when we stand before the Lord, we can give a good account of ourselves. Yeah. Well, he talked to us in chapter 24 that the endurance, um, it is the endurance and keeping our eye on the prize and focusing on Jesus through all of this. I love the parable, the 10 virgins. It's one of those just, it's, it's just, uh, it's a great illustration of being prepared and it's Matthew 25 and it starts right there at the beginning of verse one talks about the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. So Tony, what does that mean? You know, so the kingdom of heaven will be like virgins going to meet the bridegroom. Uh, that's an interesting, uh, that's a real interesting analogy, especially since uh, we're not polygamous. Yeah. Uh, you know, we only believe one man, one wife, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you could call this in 21st century, the parable of the 10 virgins, um, and the ones who took their batteries and the ones who didn't, because that's what <laughs> oil is, right? Is it energy right. source? And so five, it says five of them were foolish and five were wise. Uh, for the when the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take any oil with them. I mean, how stupid is that to, to bring a, a lamp and not, you know, the whole purpose of the lamp 
is to have oil. Right. To burn, but it can't burn if there's no oil. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Well, um, how many of us can um, empathize with the people falling asleep while they're waiting for the Lord to do it? I mean, I fall asleep during sermons. I fall asleep during prayer time. <laughs> I mean, I could fall asleep reading the Bible. I mean, I just love to sleep. And that's, that's a horrible confession, but we all understand what it is to be drowsy. And so the interesting thing is that all 10 became drowsy. Mm -hmm. All 10 um, were in a position where um, they just couldn't stay awake. And that, that kind of hits me kind of hard because the whole point of everything Jesus has been teaching up to now is to stay awake, right? Right, right. And I think that's where, again, let's look back at, you know, chapter 25, where he just talks about being awake and that we're supposed to be on guard. We're, you know, if we knew the house was going to get broken into, we would have stayed awake. Um, so it's that thing, that understanding that we're supposed to be awake, but I think Jesus knew who we were. I think he knows us better than ourselves. Well, that's really true. Um, and he wasn't delayed in coming. So no matter how soon you think he's coming, he's, it's probably not going to be that soon. Right. Um, but the difference between the wise virgins and the foolish ones is the wise ones did what they needed to prepare for the eventuality that he would not come back as soon as they thought he would. Right. They, and you know, and there's, I've read a lot of good teachings and some not so good on what the, you know, the oil represents. It's the Holy Spirit. It's our character. I mean, yeah, yes to all of that. Um, but I think the point here that's consistent with everything else Jesus is talking about is preparation. Yes. And there were five that were virgins. You could say they were, the, all these people were saved. I don't know if I could say that or not, but let's say they were, but the five ones who accepted Jesus didn't prepare for him to come back. I mean, what does that even mean? But it means something. Otherwise we wouldn't have the parable here in the scriptures, right. but then you hear and see in verse six at midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom come out to meet him. Yep. Okay. So now this is where the rubber meets the road. So go ahead, Dan, what do you, what do you have to say about that? Well, I, again, it's that it's the whole thing. What we've been talking about here is the being prepared, being ready, knowing that he's coming, uh, not losing heart that he's not coming. Um, I love, I love that in verse 10, the, and when they were, um, they were going to buy, see the virgin, the, the five that had the oil, they told the five that didn't have the oil, Hey, why don't you go buy some, why don't you go get some from, um, and it's that it goes back to that thing that we were just talking about in the last podcast of the, um, oh, when we see that it's time, we'll be able to prepare then. Well, when it's time, you won't be able to prepare. It'll be too late. And you see that they miss out on the marriage feast. And wow, that I, I don't want to be on that group. I want to be the one that's prepared, that's ready to be a part of that marriage feast. You know, there's. Um, another aspect too, which I don't think about often, but I see it here now, is that many of us are looking toward other people to help us through our tough spots. And that's really what family mm. and church is for. But in this case, I mean, ultimately, when we stand before the Lord on that day, um, I'm, there's not going to be anybody next to me who I'm going to be able to shift blame to. Right. Well, you know, I didn't go on those mission trips because my wife wouldn't let me hear me on this. Ultimately, 
personal responsibilities being talked about here. Yes. We have to evaluate for ourselves what the word of God says, what the spirit of God is saying to us, and then we need to act accordingly. And if there's a one message that comes out loud and clear, not just in Matthew 24 and 25, but really through, you know, what Paul's writings, Peter's writings, and even the Old Testament, is that we need to prepare ourselves mm -hmm. for accountability to the Lord. That day is coming, um, and there will be great intimacy rewarded to us. We'll be able to enter in with our Creator, with our Savior. There, we will participate in the marriage banquet of the Lamb. Yeah, that's if awesome. We're prepared. But that's if we're awesome. Not prepared. Look at what it says. Um, yeah. And while they were going to buy, verse ten, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, oh, Lord, Lord, open to us. Uh, it sounds like Matthew 7, Lord, Lord, mm -hmm. didn't we prophesy in your name and all that. Yeah. But he answered, Oof. truly, I say to you, I don't know you. So they get shut out of intimacy mm -hmm. with him. I mean, I don't know how else to describe yeah. that. But, uh, that's a pretty severe sanction for being a little lazy and not bringing flasks of oil with you. Right. So you see in that parable, the thing that we're supposed to have, that we, we are supposed to be bringing. In the first parable there about the 10 virgins says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Jesus is speaking to the arrogance that some people will have that says, I know when Jesus is coming back and I'm going to be ready for that. I can coast. Yeah, because I, you know, it, I've got it figured out. And Jesus says, you don't have it figured out. I don't even know when I'm coming back. Mm -hmm. You never know when that day when you're going to be standing before uh, the Lord, give, having to give an account for yourself. So get ready. It's all about time management. And how many of us are guilty of wasting time saying, well, when I'm a little bit older, then I'll serve the Lord. Uh, uh, when I'm a little bit older, then I'll start using this gift of teaching that the Lord gave me, or I'll, then I'll start prophesying right. or evangelizing or whatever um lord says no man um you don't know it could be tomorrow it could be tonight right. your life could be demanded of you this very moment um serve the lord with all your heart because if you really love him you're going to love him with and obey what he tells you to do so sorry i just had to throw that in there let's do yep. go to the parable of the talents well yeah so we want to talk about the parable of talents as we saw with the parable of the virgins this is something that they had to bring this was something they were now you see with the parable of the talents, this is something that the master has given to the servants. And um, as we look at this, there, there are three servants that have three separate talents. And what is that for, Tony? Well, there's uh, it, it shows a varying degree of um, giftings, I think. I mean, we actually call them talents in our vernacular in the church today. Uh, but talents is really like a, a unit of money. Uh, in, back in those times, that's really what it means. Um, and the idea here is that um, we're really not to compare ourselves with each other, but we're to be accountable and responsible for what the Lord has given to us. Because, and, I, and as a businessman, I love this parable mm. because it talks about return on investment. I mean, it's clearly all over it. He's saying, look, if I give you five, I want five back. If I give you three, I want three back in addition to the ones I gave you. Um, or one, you know, I, I'm not going to expect 20 if I just give you one talent. But if I give you five talents, I'm going to expect to get 10 back. That's a whole lot more than I'm expecting out of the first guy. So 
that's what I think those talents represent. And, you know, it's, it's really reducing to simplicity because it's just a short parable mm-hmm. on what it is that God has invested in each of our lives. But we know to some extent uh, what God has put in us that he's expecting to have used to bring glory to him and to extend his kingdom. That's what I think it means. Right. So you get this picture of that God is actually investing in us. Yeah. It's not so it's not just that he wants us as uh, one of his children and wants us to be part of the kingdom of heaven, but he actually invests in us to do his will. And, and again, it goes back. This goes to one of those things that I really love to teach on is that um, God has a purpose for you. God has a meaning for you. Um, even up into the end of the times, the last days, you have a purpose and a meaning. God has given you something to do and has given you the talent to do it. He's not just calling you and say, Hey, you know, go do this and you're on your own, but he's actually giving you the talent, the gift to go do that. And that's what I love about this parable is that it's, it's God investing in us and what we should be doing for him. No, that's really true. And, you know, I just have to say it. I think there's a lot of good truth in this parable, which flies in the face of a lot of commonly believed doctrine today. Let's take the doctrine of what they call eternal security or once saved, always saved. Um, That may, in fact, be true. There's a lot of controversy about that. But there's clearly something going on in this parable, which makes our reward and or punishment at the end of the age based upon our conduct. You know, you could read this wrong to equate this to salvation by works. Now, if those of you who are not familiar with these arguments, forgive me, uh, but what you see here is looking at the first guy. So let me just get into it for a minute. In verse 20, it says, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enjoy, enter into the joy of your master. Well, then, you know, the first thing that strikes me is that the master did not say well-believed. Hmm. Now, his actions may have, and I do believe that our actions spring forth out of what we believe, because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Right. But it does, you know, the emphasis here is on what they did, not on what they believe they did or there are a lot of people that, you know, they believe they have a call from God to teach or to go to the mission field or to start a home group or teach a Sunday school class, but that calling can stay in their brain, but they never actually do it. Right. Oh, there's, well, there's always a better time. There's always a lack of money. There's always inconvenience. Yes. All those things, this is life. These things are true, but Jesus is ultimately going to measure our faith by what we do and here he says that they're good and Mm -hmm. faithful not based on what they believe but based on what they do now am i teaching salvation by works no i am not but i'm saying that if you've got true saving faith you will do these works and so okay so i'm going a little bit outside of this particular text to get there and but the reason i bring it up is this dan there are people who think that what they do doesn't matter and this parable makes it abundantly clear that what you do 
does matter. Right. To the point where there's some pretty significant negative consequences if you don't do uh, well with the things that God has invested in your life. Right. And, and there is a reason why this parable is where it's at. There's a reason why it's between the 10 virgins and the sheep and the goats. When it comes to end times and talking about the end times and the coming age and the coming of the Lord is that he's sharing with us that there's going to be a judgment for what we are doing with what God has given us. And he is making it clear um, that we are supposed to take what he gives us and multiply it. Um, we're not supposed to sit on it. We're not supposed to hide it in. We're not supposed to have this, this personal faith that no one knows about. We're supposed to have a faith. We're supposed to have uh, taken what he's given us and multiplied it and bring back a profit from it. There's supposed to be a growing of what we've been given. And I think you know, the reason why you put this in between here and you put this where it's at talking about the end times is Jesus is saying, listen, you are going to be judged. When the master comes home from his trip, he is going to look at what you did with the talents you were given. And it doesn't matter if you're given five, doesn't matter if you're given three, doesn't matter if you're given one, it will all be judged the same. You know, Dan, it makes me think about <clears throat> Jesus is 12 years old and he's in the temple um, during the time of the feast and actually stays there talking with the and learning from and probably teaching priests and the scribes and whoever, Levites, whoever were there in the temple uh, to the point where mom and dad had to come back and find him. Um, and when they confronted him about why did you do this to us? He says, don't you know, I must be about my father's business. Um there, Jesus had the sense at even the age of 12 that he had a, a purpose to his life, a call to, yep. to help in the daddy's business. Doesn't mean he got to run the business, although in Jesus' case, ultimately, all things are going to be put under his feet. Mm -hmm. uh, but like Jesus, as human beings, we all have the privilege of participating in the father's business. There's a similar parable to the parable of the talents in Luke, uh, the parable of the ten minas. And uh, it kind of starts off similarly. It must have been Jesus maybe giving a different spin on his own parable. But in chapter 19 of Luke, in verse uh, 13, he says, So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. And, I, and the reason I bring that up is just because it's, it makes it even more clear that uh, we have a responsibility um, to put to work whatever it is that God has entrusted to us. And that responsibility carries with it um, accountability. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to account to him one day for what we did with the minas, the talents, the money, the gifts, the graces that God put in our hands. And so if we're uh, too busy, um, like going back to the, uh, the, the, the parable of the faithful steward, who is the faithful and wise steward, right? Well, you know, it's, ah, you know, my master's long and coming back. I think I'll get, I'll eat and get drunk and beat, beat my fellow servants and just have a, just abuse my authority and have a great old time. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be a comeuppance for that. And thank God there is, yeah. I mean, that's not right for people to get away with stuff like that. But Dan, go ahead. You know, this tells us that 
we've got to be focused on what Jesus is, who Jesus is, what he has actually taught us. There are going to be things, there are going to be external things in the end times that are going to draw our attention from one way to the next. There are things that are just going to bombard us. There are things that are going to come up that are just going to, the whole purpose of it is to take our eyes off him. And we need to stay focused. We need to continue to, to do the things that God has called us to do, to use the talent he's given us to fulfill the mission, even until the last moment. Well, you're, um, that's right, Dan. You're talking about motivation. Yeah. Ultimately. Um, and God knows who we are. He invented us, he created us, um, and spoke to us on knowing about the things that are going to motivate us act properly and it's not all carrot they're stick to mm-hmm. uh, in other words if you're not familiar with that phraseology this means that god is going we see this here in this parable and these other parables you see it also in the letters to the church in revelation two and three that there are promises and blessings for those who do what the lord has asked them to do And then there's consequences, negative consequences for those who don't. And God knows that we need that kind of encouragement. So, you know, Dan and I were talking before the, you know, the podcast. I mean, if I was, you know, I'm an employer or used to be. And, you know, if I hired people and I said, hey, no matter what you do at my office, ultimately, I mean, I know you've got a good heart and I'm, you know, but ultimately, um, I can never fire you. It's against the law. So you're here, you, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't there, I mean, the human tendency yeah. is to hang out of the water cooler, stay on the phone, texting your girlfriend all day. Um, and, and that's, if you even come to work and not just go to the beach, uh, that, that unfortunately you can say, oh, that's, that's way too below us, but, uh, that's not been my experience in life. Yeah. On the other hand, there are people that are genuinely um, encouraged and uh, to to work hard because they see a reward that they don't have now. It's delayed gratification. In my view of Christianity, I believe that we, he wants us to live a blessed life now, um, and we are uh, we do prosper in many ways. But the best blessings are going to be once we're off this planet. And and, and directly in the physical presence of the Lord continually. And I, you know, that is a motivator. Um, And it's a, it's delayed gratification. We, you know, there's a lot of things we do now because we want to please him and we want to spend eternity with him. Mm -hmm. Um, If we didn't believe that, um, then why would God, I mean, then I don't, I don't know what we would do. So those two things, if you weigh them in the balance, the, the draw of blessings and the fear of punishment, and I call it fear because mm-hmm. the fear of the Lord, the scripture says, is the beginning of wisdom. That means that you don't even begin to have wisdom if you don't fear right. the Lord. And if we don't, <clears throat> if, if God didn't have the right to deliver negative consequences to his children who've blatantly disobeyed him, we're not ready did not stay alert, did not stay, uh, you know, um, in an attitude of readiness. Um, If there was no negative consequences for that, then we would have the sense that there would be no sense of justice. Right. And in that case, it would be kind of stripping God of his authority as judge. Right. Well, and again, it it is that it's that, you know, we look at God as being 
righteous. And so we're going to stop right there because there's so much more that we want to get into in Matthew 25 with, with the parables about the end times, because there is just so much meat there. And there's so many things that Jesus is trying to teach us to help us be prepared to make sure we're not falling asleep, to make sure we're not being deceived in the end times. Now, if you're enjoying this series and um, you're getting something out of it, we want to ask you to like and subscribe. That lets us know, gives us a little bit of feedback, which is encouraging to us, but it also gets the message out to other people. And if you have some friends that you think will benefit from this teaching or could be encouraged, we ask that you let them know about it as well. And we would just love to let this teaching kind of go and encourage those uh, who need to hear. Now, there's going to be one more episode coming on avoiding spiritual anesthesia, and um, we're going to continue in Matthew 25 and talking through the parables there in Matthew 25, and we hope that uh, you will join us again next time. If you want to learn more about our ministry, you can go to www.heartoftitus.org, and there you can learn more about who we are, what we do, and the, the ministry that we have around the world. And you can also email us if you have any questions or comments at admin at heartoftitus.org. We would love to hear from you. Well, thank you so much. God bless you. And we will see you next time on The Heart of Titus with Dan and Tony.